0: Geek Bill Radio. Hello once again, uh, Geeks and Geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the Mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio with another edition of the Nostalgia Trip. This is another trip down memory lane, similar to what we did for the National Podcast Post Month last month. But this is a Christmas-themed Nostalgia Trip. But we're not just doing any type of Christmas theme. We are taking a trip back to Christmas time of 2020. Yes, I know that we were all in full-blown pandemic mode then, but myself and Crazy Train sat down with Dan the Dragon Wilson, who has his own horror-themed podcast, Seeking Human Victims, and we all talked about holiday horror. So, in this episode, you are going to get a nice list of Christmas and holiday-oriented horror films. If you like your Santa to have a few screams in it, so to speak, this genre of Christmas and holiday-themed horror, uh, it might be a little bigger than you might think. I mean, there there are some mainstream examples that we go into. Probably A Christmas Carol could be the biggest example of a horror story with a Christmas theme. But there is a lot of other ones. Some of them are funny. Some of them are really off the wall. Some of them star pro wrestlers like Goldberg. So this is a very entertaining look into the horror world for those of you who... Might want to have uh, a little more scream in your Christmas holiday. A few more chills, so to speak. A few more chills in your Christmas. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. So here we go. Step back to December of 2020 talking holiday horror. Geekville Radio.
1: We have a special guest for this segment. He is no stranger to the airwaves here of Examining the Dead. He is one of my old wrestling buddies. Did a great horror-themed manager gimmick as the Reverend Dan Wilson, who also has his own extremely, extremely well done horror podcast that I listen to all the time called Seeking Human Victims. I would like to welcome once again the Reverend Dan Wilson. How you doing, brother?
2: (laughs) Happy horror days, crazy train. Thank you so much for having me. Me back on examining the
1: dead. Well, you know, I, I when I kind of was talking to Seth and we were formatting this this holiday themed episode, I said we gotta call Dan Seth. I said he's done several holiday themed horror stuff on it Seeking Human Victims, and you're mm-hmm. kind of an expert, or at least have done more research than even I've done on this stuff, which is why I wanted to have you on. You probably know a little bit more about the history of horror themed uh, horror movies around the holidays. Enlighten us, brother. Tell us what. Tell me what's Tell me what. What, what we need to know about the history of horror. Themed movies around the holidays. Absolutely. Yeah. Christmas
2: horror movies are really my. Sh- honestly and I think it goes back to childhood. One of the first films I saw in the theater was Gremlins and I also saw the trailer and one of the articles about all of the protests on Entertainment Tonight about Silent Night, Deadly Night. So I was affected by Christmas horror at a young age and even like Mickey's Christmas Carol was one of my favorite childhood cartoons and it has these ghost horror elements so it's like I, I always related horror and the holidays together and then come to find out the spooky part of the holiday season has really been a tradition for many many years and it's really only been in the most recent of centuries that they've started kind of phasing that out for a more holly jolly commercial appetite if you know what I'm right. saying right? oh yeah oh yeah but, but when you talk about the history of holiday horror movies I actually for Seeking Human victims. And our annual Christmas special Which this year we did Silent Night, Deadly Night And that episode is out and available now Wherever you find podcasts We did a little research on the history Of Christmas-themed horror movies And I found the first recorded Christmas horror movie was Guess what? a Christmas Carol adaptation. It was a silent film from 1901 called
0: Scrooge or Marley's Ghost from the United... Oh, so it was even British. Excellent. Makes sense. When you think about it, A Christmas Carol, I mean, that fits as a horror story, especially when you deal with Jacob Marley and the Ghost Christmas Future and all that. I never thought of it that way.
1: I could speak as one of my two degrees is in English. Always was a fan of Dickens, but that's probably my favorite Dickens story, and that shouldn't be a shocker since I've been a horror fan since I was five and saw the omen by accident, but that's another story for another time. Yeah. It's always had that supernatural bent to it. And I was motivated also being a history major to look into the history of Christmas. And I, I can totally back up what you're saying there. It's only been in the past couple hundred, 200 years where we have moved away from the supernatural elements of Christmas to the more family friendly version that we have now in Western culture. So I'm sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Oh, your- no worries. Like- I, I enjoy the conversation from both of you, and, and thank you for having me. Um,
1: no, I agree wholeheartedly, though.
2: Like it's it, it, it's time to put the spooky back in the holidays, make Christmas spooky again. Right, that's, right. That's my new campaign slogan. Uh, I, mean, for, I for the
1: holidays. I, I don't know how old the song the, the Andy Williams song "Most Wonderful Time of the Year" is, but it even uh-huh. mentions there. But it even says scary ghost stories around the fire. Yep, sure does. And so I mean, we should we should know but whoever wrote the the lyrics. For that song, they understood it. And that's a pretty happy, friendly, jolly song, not a scary song. So, yeah, it's
2: wild. And that's always kind of captivated me as a kid. And back to what Seth is saying about a Christmas carol, it's like, like that scene. And no matter what version of a Christmas carol, the scene where he's visited by Marley's ghost and then the ghost of Christmas
1: yet to come are always terrifying, no matter what version of a Christmas carol it is. Do you have a favorite version? I mean there's been so many adaptations You already mentioned Mickey's Christmas Carol But is there any other like live action ones that you really like? The, yeah. er, the, the George C. Scott version Excellent is Really great. good one here mm-hmm. Yeah
2: that's a really good uh, one I think the Muppets Christmas Carol is one of the best. To be it's honest, just, it is good. It is kind of out a character for me, I guess. But like, I honestly like that movie gets me like a little misty eyed every time. It's, right, it's really awesome.
0: Yeah, really well done. What well, about you, Seth? You got you really like? Well, you just mentioned the Mickey's Christmas Carol, so that's that's the one I was the most familiar with, and. Probably, quite frankly, because I'm a goofy fan, and making goofy Jacob Marley, I think, is just genius when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> casting, so to speak. I can that. That somehow Jacob yeah. Marley is, well, a goof. He stumbles yeah, over himself yes. and all that. <laughs>
1: So there is there yeah. There's definitely some room for some, some slapstick comedy there. I agree with you, Dan. I love the Georgie e. Scott version. The one that was Americanized where Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself, plays Scrooge. That was a pretty good version. Yeah. The and one I was with,
2: Scrooged for that matter with Bill. Oh, you, oh,
1: that's classic. That's a classic. That's that's classic. And,
0: and, and I would even I would even throw out there Patrick Stewart's one man show. I mean, I know he did a TV movie version, but he's done a one man version of it that's actually really good too.
1: I like I like the adaptation of that. That was full cast. That was a really good. One. I was going to mention that. One and there's one and I, I the name of it is just simply Scrooge and I'm, I I can't remember any of the actors. It's a British production from mm-hmm. the fifties, so it's it's a contemporary of the
0: early Hammer stuff. Yeah, I o- outside I, of the Mickey's Christmas Carol, that's the one I saw first. I saw the Mickey one first, but yeah. I remember seeing that one in in the early eighties, probably on Channel sixty or something.
1: Right, I was like I was gonna say the local UHF station here in the Upstate of South Carolina played that every Christmas, and so that one for probably for if nothing else, nostalgia has sentimental. Value to me. Plus, for a 1950s movie, the practical effects on the coast of Christmas past looking like the Grim Reaper and the skeletal hand when he points at Scrooge's tombstone, that shit scared the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's like yes. a 10 year old kid, you know? I was like, but I slept. I slept with one eye open for a couple nights after seeing that the first time. But isn't that what good horror is supposed to do to you? Absolutely. But we, you were talking about that was the first was this silent adaptation of Christmas Carol, Dan. There had to be more until we got to where we are today. What were some of the other things your research found on holiday themed horror movies after that? Oh one? yeah, of course the eight million
2: iterations of a Christmas Carol. With nonewithstanding,
1: there were were a few other
2: things here in the 20s and 30s and 40s but nothing that made a great impact there was a 1944 universal movie called Christmas Holiday not really a true horror film it's more of a detective noir movie there were movies like Curse of the Cat People and Psycho and Dead of Night where there Christmas was kind of in the background, but they weren't really about Christmas. So right. you really have to get up to the 70s before this subgenre starts taking off. There was uh, a movie called Whoever Slew Auntie Roo" from the UK in 1971. <laughs> the most famous from the early 70s is Tales from the Crypt from the UK and Amicus Victor. Where the Killer Santa scene in that anthology is, of course, based around Christmas and the first incarnation of Killer
1: Santa that we see. Right. We we, we did in our Halloween, all of our podcasts were Halloween-themed in October. We inducted Amicus Productions into... Lesser Note Geek Hall of Fame. And of course, Amicus Productions was the production company that made the Tales from the Crypt. We talked about it on that
0: episode of, of Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. It was
1: an excellent movie, by the way. But um, everything Amicus did, was. but I digress.
0: Yeah. yeah, I remember I put that one on my list of Amicus movies to see after we did that show.
1: There you go.
2: Yeah, that was the classic. And that segment was remade in the Tales from the Crypt series in 92, I believe, with Dr. Giggles himself, as well as the Scarecrow from Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, Larry Drake, <laughs> (laughs) a great (laughs) character actor played the killer Santa in the remake of that segment and then of course that takes us up to 1974 Uh, we we do have a couple other things prior to that there's Home for the Holidays from 1972 that's an American TV Christmas horror and then Silent Night Bloody Night also from 1972 but then up to 1974 we hit Black Christmas which really kind of explodes that subgenre not just of Christmas and holiday horror but other like holiday themed slasher movies and just slasher Slasher movies in general kind of explode out of the popularity of Black Christmas. Now,
1: that coming out in 74, you're going to have to help me here on dates. Did that precede or post the original Texas Chainsaw?
2: Let's take a look here. Let's see. Texas Chainsaw was also 74, I believe.
1: But I can't remember month release dates. That's what confuses me on that.
2: Let's see. I'm taking a look here. I don't have that one committed to memory. I, the year, yes, but not necessarily the month. So, October of 74,
1: so Texas Chainsaw Massacre was just before that. Yeah, because for those that don't know, and if they don't know it, I don't know why they're listening to this podcast, but for those that don't know, yes, Halloween always gets the credit with being the first slasher. I've always said no. If, it, if it's anything, it's either Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Black Christmas, depending on your your cup of tea. Well, let's say yeah, you. well, some people
2: and, even argue that it it Was psycho Mario Bava's twitch of the death nerve, um, right? The Bay of Blood, as it's also called,
1: or uh, Carnage. Or cars. Didn't want this movie. Had like nine names. Yeah, depending on where it was released. <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: Italian, so it was not an American or nor even North American.
1: And, and I cannot, I cannot argue that because when I when I highlighted that movie two years ago during my thirty one days of Halloween, can't deny the fact that the double impalement uh, spear stab scene from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two was directly stolen for that movie. So it it had an influence of nothing else.
2: So yeah, no, that that's a stone cold fact.
1: So what do you it's say a, that? Do, you th- do, you, do you think It's Black Christmas Or do you think It's it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre More so than Halloween That would be the first What we would call A slasher movie I, I gotta say Honestly A Bay of Blood Probably over. I, I, I,
2: I, I would say Texas I, My
1: personal Peeping Tom Which is before All of those In 62 That's That's a good Call out Even Psycho We <laughs> called the father
2: So it's really hard But I'd say Somewhere between Black Christmas And Halloween It becomes a genre Like right So like no, those other what? things might have been one offs or things that happened that paved the way. But I think by Black Christmas, it becomes this I don't really consider Texas Chainsaw a slasher in a lot of ways because sure. it's just it breaks a lot of those rules. It's not just one killer. You have the whole family dynamic. Right. There's this whole political commentary. There's a whole lot more going on in that movie than most of your standard slashers. So I, I would say black Christmas to answer your question directly.
1: Yeah. Well, I always well, But this is my take on it is that if you want to go with the mindset that a slasher has to be date specific or around a certain time of year, because that kind of became the norm with Friday the 13th, with Halloween, with whatever, Black Christmas started that trend where it's just the, the time. of. And if you want to go where daytime, you weren't even safe during the sunlight. And the trope of of, of of young people. They they both had that, but the sunlight thing, that yeah, Texas Chainsaw brought that in for the first time. This idea of you're not even safe when the sun's out. So yeah. but that's that's either here nor there. I think that they're both great movies and and they're a must see for any horror junkie. Both of
2: them. Ag- I, agreed. I, and I think so what where Black Christmas is important is that it does start this subgenre of holiday themed horror movies. Like Halloween mm. really isn't possible without Black Christmas, because they kind of take that concept and put it on a yeah. different holiday and you saw like every production company and studio throughout the early 80s were starting to try to grab up their own holidays to make movies all, yeah, and my bloody valentine thanks killing also on and so Prom forth.
1: night. So- Prom night. I mean, really,
2: there's a million of yeah. yeah it opened up so much for that. But speaking specifically of Christmas themed horror that still continues through the early 80s, and there's a lot of really important pieces of the subgenre. Christmas Evil from 1980, which is my yes, favorite movie. That's a fucking great underrated Christmas movie about a killer Santa. And it's Three. not really a traditional slasher either. It really shows this like progression of a guy kind of going postal from being disgruntled at his job.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a classic. It's oft forgotten, but people I don't even know if it's available any it. is it on Shudder? Do you know? Yeah, it is on Shudder. Joe Bob Briggs
2: actually showed it just
1: on his Christmas special this past weekend. So it, oh, okay. it's there on okay.
2: the now highly. I'm
1: not gonna I'm not gonna lie, I haven't checked out Shudder in about a week. I've been busy doing other things. So I haven't really <laughs> but it is what it is. Oh yeah, no, they well they got lots of great Christmas horror to check out on there that I,
2: I can recommend for sure. And they've got silent night deadly night two and just like I could Go on and on. There's there's tons of stuff on there. Well, around,
1: around the same time, another one of my favorites, I'm sure you've seen as well, is New Year's Evil. You've seen that one, haven't you? Yep,
2: definitely seen New Year's Evil. That's a, a pretty underrated flick. That's, that's oh, yeah.
1: Slasher. That was like what, 81, 82, I think it was when that came out.
2: Yeah, that came out in 80.
1: Mm. So it was right at the start of the decade. Okay.
2: Yes. And they're like, this is really like the golden era mm-hmm. of slasher films, but like that, that takes a different path. If you're looking at the Christmas horror path, really the next big Christmas horror movie is Gremlins. But oh yeah, eighty four just starts throwing them out. You get Silent Night, Deadly Night in nineteen eighty four, and there's another one called Don't Open Till Christmas. That's a pretty underrated, oh, yeah. British very movie. underrated, very kind underrated. of flips the script,
1: right? You're used to the yeah. Killer Santa at this point, but
2: that actually is a killer that is knocking off Santas, so which is pretty cool. Yeah,
1: well, it, it, it's you're too young to remember this. So, Seth, I kind of want your your take on this. You, of course, have read about it being a horror fan. The furor that was started over the marketing material for Silent Night Deadly Night. Do you remember that at all Seth?
0: Yeah, yeah, cuz uh, it was a whole thing of kids would think it was going to be a Christmas movie cuz they see Santa and all that. And even as I was 8, 9, maybe 10 years old at the time, even I was like, well, I don't like a scary Christmas movie. So it kind of bothered me a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, I know that horror movies weren't meant for kids. I'm not meant to see (laughs) this movie. Even at that, even at that age, it's like, I didn't understand it, but I understood it well enough because my, my parents did a very good job of shielding me from horror. And I'm not saying they were wrong or anything like that. i mean, you know, it's just like, I see where they were coming from. And I, I see that they had their... What they thought was my best interest in mind so I, I have right. no—I I have no problem with that up, upbringing.
1: Well, well, that coming out in 1984, I'm I'm 14 years old. I am I am the prime target demographic they're shooting: mm-hmm. high schoolers and college kids. And I remember the Fuhrer being over the famous poster, which was later on the cover cover art for the the, the VHS box at the rental places, was this picture of, of Santa uh, Santa's arm coming out of a chimney wielding a blood-soaked double-bitted Paul Bunyan axe that had the PRMC types like up in arms. They were just so upset. And this is also in the middle of the satanic panic of the 80s and everything that I loved And that when Dan would get to be that age, I know he loved heavy metal music and horror movies. They were like public enemy number one. So it was it was ridiculous. And I think like much like Frank Zappa in his uh, testimony to the Congress about the censorship of music said, if you say something is forbidden, you're actually going to help it out because more kids are going to want to see it. I think that movie benefited from you've looked at the hard numbers, Dan. Am I right in thinking that? Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's a lot to talk
2: about that. We go into great detail on our Silent Night, Deadly Night episode about the controversy. And like it came out the same time as Nightmare on Elm Street, the same week. And it was on oh. a pace to outgross it. But the controversy got it pulled from theaters. So it didn't have the gross that they thought it would have in the theaters because it got yanked due to all of that. But it did have a pretty successful life on home video as a result. And I was old enough to remember it just barely. I remember seeing an article. I, to be a young,
1: I just remember uh, you had to be a young kid. It was yeah. I was little.
2: Kid. I I remember yeah. seeing a thing on Entertainment Tonight about the protests about it, and I remember seeing the actual commercial. And what got them in the biggest hot water were two things. There was a commercial that aired during an episode of Little House on the Prairie during. <laughs> the All and right, that Michael was Landon. <laughs> another one in Milwaukee that aired during a Green Bay Packers game on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the wow on that but yeah check you know, out our episode we, we go into all the gory details of that
1: and it, it's interesting you bring up the fact it was on pace to out, out earn Nightmare on Elm Street I know it seems hard in 2020 to look back and think that how but if you lived in that era as a horror fan Silent Night Deadly Night is a great movie but it is a, a very simple old school slasher movie Nightmare on Elm Street has a lot of concepts and themes that are a lot deeper than that so I can see how that would have appealed to a much broader audience but like you said there was the controversy so if you're a horror maven the only thing left nightmare and the nightmare is great I don't think I'd have to sell either one of you on how awesome a film it is I'm just saying I get for that time period why in comparison one of those styllight like, daylight might have done better initially because it's just was easier to digest wasn't as deep
2: oh yeah and it too spawned a franchise not quite as popular as the Nightmare franchise and no 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 those movies kind of fall off a cliff as we talk about in the episode after <laughs> the second one which I mean a lot of people hate the second one because it's mostly a clip show but I just I love what they add to it with Ricky being the narrator and kind of going nuts at the end you uh, like
1: Garbage Day come on
2: oh yeah I love it but a lot of people don't
1: <laughs> still the, one of the, the greatest, greatest scenes I know. ever movie it's yeah, Garbage no, Day it's,
2: <laughs> it's great and it made that whole meme and everything but then it goes to silent night deadly night three where bill mosley is playing ricky and he they're trying to copy like friday the 13th part seven where there's a girl with psychic powers and that,
1: so, you know, so it's no santa versus carrie is. Is right <laughs> yeah yeah
2: it's it's interesting and then there's part four which is about a coven of witches that also has clint howard and barely mentions christmas at all but it's
1: it's something. And then part ever, five. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen part four. I've seen part five. I don't think I've ever seen part four. It's where the wads, it's got some weird shit in it, but... Well, it I, brings in the supernatural a little bit with witches, so that's kind of cool. But the
2: Toy Maker with Mickey Rooney is, like, the it, directed by Brian Yuzna, and it's really fucking weird. Like, he plays this Geppetto character, and there's this evil
1: Pinocchio, and it's just really fucking dumb, but well, it's, 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 it's worth it's the while Brian- It's Brian Yuzna. It's going to be worth a watch. That's he's one of my favorite underrated filmmakers. So yeah, well the effects especially,
2: like anytime he's involved, like the the effects are usually dope.
1: Probably probably had uh, *Scream* Mad George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. If you're not sold on Brian Yuzna, I suggest one movie *Society*. Watch it and you'll be sold. Yeah. But I digress. I digress. digress. Well, I mean, what what happens in the '90s? I don't really remember a lot in the '90s, but I was really busy in college at the time. And this would have been when you were in high school, so you really would have been the target audience at that time
2: yeah there wasn't a lot in terms of christmas horror in the 90s there was jack frost from 1997 apparently a movie from 96 called santa claus i don't really remember that at all so c-l-a-w-s i guess yes but jack frost about the killer snowman which is like one of those awesome. like intentionally bad horror
0: movies which i love of that
1: the, movie i love that time. movie oh, but i like
2: it I, I, yeah
0: i think that had a young shannon elizabeth in it before american pie correct It does, yes.
1: It had that great, had that great cover art on the DVD VHS cover that had the little I can't remember what they call that. The where where if you moved it from whatever angle you were looking at it, it would have like the regular snowman, then the evil snowman. It would change. That was I thought was brilliant marketing. But yeah, no, that was great. And then
2: like once we get into the 2000s, it really kind of blows open. Like it becomes a true subgenre where every at least year or so you're getting a new Christmas horror movie. Some of them are pretty good. Like Dead End, which has Lynn Shea and Ray Wise in it, which is this really creepy, like road trip Christmas horror movie. And then you have the not so good, like The Ginger Dead Man with Gary Busey. <laughs>
1: Well, you and me talked about that off mic a few weeks ago, Dan, and I asked you about it. And as you pointed out, and rightfully so, anything that has Gary Busey being back crazy, Gary Busey can't be that bad, can it? It's at, at least, least worth a <laughs> watch. <once>. I won't <laughs> dare say it's
2: good because it's fucking awful, but it's, there's some entertainment value to be had for sure.
1: It's, it, is, it is full moon, so come on. If, you, if you're into that type of stuff, you like Charles Band, you'll like ginger dough. Yeah. And that 2005 did
2: have the Goldberg. Christmas horror movie. <laughs> That's the Santa one I was going to bring Street. up, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it was, that was definitely a Christmas, com- that was definitely a horror comedy, which we talk a lot about on this channel. Not as much more so than you do on on your podcast, but I know you're, you like horror comedy too, don't you, Dan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's always got a place. They're very closely connected yeah. emotions.
0: But <laughs> what I bring up about Santa's sleigh is, first off, it's funny alone that a pro wrestler is playing Santa, but it's Goldberg. And I'm sorry, but a a uh Jewish man playing Santa Claus to me is just inherently funny. That's even before getting into him being a psychotic killer.
1: Well, and, and the fact that it's politically incorrect makes me laugh,
0: but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: and, and that whole opening scene of that movie with the with the well-known actors that the, they got to play. I think it was Fran Dresser, James Caan. I can't remember all the other actors in it. That scene is so over the top. It's like a Sam Raimi, Army of Darkness type over the topness. That in and of itself makes that movie worth watching, to me at least. What, what say ye, Dan? Yeah, no,
2: I'd agree. Like, it's,
1: it's pretty hard. How brutally he kills. He brutally kills Adam. <laughs>
2: a <thing>. Like, does he even like he. And drown Fran Drescher in a bowl of soup or some yeah, shit.
1: Yeah, I think, he light, like, I think he it's still boiling. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still boiling. And he, like, I think he throws James Conn in the fireplace and, like, kicks the flames up, lights somebody's head on fire. I'm going, and as the horror guy, I'm sitting there watching, going, this is the f-ing greatest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. You know, and how many of us have not wanted to drown Fran Drescher in that, that god awful voice in a bowl of boiling <laughs> soup, whether we're Santa Claus or not? Come on. You no, know, that that was I. I love that movie.
2: I think it's pretty underrated as far as like B-rated Christmas horror goes. I think some other highlights of that era: the Black Xmas remake from two thousand six. Yep. Like Christmas is pretty strong. I think there was another remake of it last year, which was to be kindly not as
1: strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I wasn't a I wasn't as big a fan of either one of the remakes from the original. I think part of that for me is the original '74. We mentioned this. We mentioned it that the, the the final girl, the main girl in it, is played by by Lois Lane herself, or not Lois Lane? What's her face from from the Indiana Jones movies? Uh, Kate out.
2: Olivia Hussey is the the main girl. Right. Like right. She's right. Kitter is one of the girls.
1: Margo that Kidder, that's it's it, 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 it was it was Lois Lane. I think that the acting was stronger in that one by the girls, but I don't think Black Xmas was bad. And our our regular listeners know I'm pretty big detractor of the remakes. I know you're a bigger fan of the remakes than I am, Dan. But but I, I mean I do think there are good remakes. I would put that one personally, right in the middle. But I still think it's worth a, a horror fan checking it out.
2: A death- it's a- a- fun, and it's just kind of over the top and like the kills are really ridiculous and she- And I-, I think it's a fun watch. I don't think it's ah. the greatest thing ever, but it's fun.
1: I think this is just me because it came out, was it 06, 07? It came out 06, 06. right? It's, it's going to be one of those movies like in the discussions that you and I have had in private, Dan, about kind of how H2O was great when it came out, but especially when comparison to Halloween 2018, it it's very much a horror movie from the 90s. It, it's it's not gonna stand. I kind of get a feeling that as time goes by, that's the same gonna be the same thing with Black Xmas. If you like horror from that era of horror movies, you're gonna like it. If you don't, then you're not. You think that's a yeah. fair criticism? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And then like as you get into the 2010s, I think
2: some of the highlights start going international. You start seeing some foreign films that really. We have the best Christmas horror yet. Rare exports from Finland. That was good. That, it's that was really good. Shudder. That it's was pretty good. wild. That's, that's really is. good. And 2010, director who's definitely one day going into the Sinking Human Victims Name Hall of Fame, director Dick Mass from the Never <laughs> Netherlands. <laughs> uh, you sure that's not a porn Christmas. star? <laughs> it's. He also directed Amsterdam and Uncaged, which are great horror movies. But he did a Christmas horror movie in 2010 called Scent. Or Saint, as the English translation, and it's another killer Santa, more like the horseback riding Danish Saint Nicholas, and it's ah, okay. you know, also like dragging kids in chains and shit. It's pretty brutal.
1: Nice. <laughs> Dick Mass is not afraid to murder children in movies. So. <laughs> We've talked about before here on on Examining the Dead. I can always when I pop when I start to watch a horror movie and I see a young kid that's put in harm's way, I'll pause real quick and look up what the release date was and that usually tells me whether the kid's going to die or not (laughs) (laughs) because we know anything like 84 pre-84 if they're going to kill a kid, they don't give a damn. You
0: We're know? mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah.
1: kind of a taboo. And I'm I'm not, please send me your 10,000 word hate blog posts, ladies and gentlemen. I have no problems with a bad guy killing a child in a movie. Maybe I'm saying you got to do it on screen, maybe you do it off screen, but they're the bad guy and they're supposed to represent evil. So what's, and Christmas is all about kids. So having children threatened and possibly even killed, I'm completely fine with that. I think it makes it scarier personally and more realistic. They'll do it in a foreign film without not in a heartbeat all they don't, a, they don't give a fucking shit in a foreign film america curse the puritans we get a little little queasy about that they're a little uneasy about it
0: unless you're trauma
1: yeah well yeah but they're so over the top but like i said if it's before and, and it doesn't make any sense because everything before 84 jaws which for cheap plug not solicited the summer season of, of seeking human victims where y'all did all the aquatic beach Party horror stuff. When y'all, your episode on Jaws is incredible, which is oh, one of of all time. They killed a kid real quick in that one, and oh, yeah. and it was a PG movie, and nobody says anything about it. It's Jaws, so why are we getting upset when a movie like this has an evil Santa pulling kids behind a sleigh? And, and why you don't say that about Jaws? And Jaws. Get had a shark eat a kid. A fucking shark ate a kid. Come on. But anyway. Yeah, no, it kind of sets off the,
2: the rest of it. So like now we're almost into the modern era. And so, you know, I'll just like give you some of my quick favor. Like the Silent Night, Deadly Night remake from 2012, Silent Night, is it's a very loose remake. Like it really doesn't follow the Billy story, but it kind of right. is just it's very loose. But it, it's real mean and nasty. It has some really brutal kills. So I think it's worth checking out. You mentioned a Christmas horror story, which is a fun anthology.
1: Well, I think Because we are the sister podcast of Geekville Radio, where it's mentioning the character that ties all the stories together is... Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, playing an alcoholic DJ in a small New England town. and great. Yeah. Right. And, and I think for like a lot of anthologies, the quality varies on each story, but that last story about the the uh, zombie apocalypse outbreak at Santa's workshop and Santa has to turn to a zombie killer is f***ing awesome.
2: Yeah, with the f***ing Richard Reillys playing Santa in yes. that.
1: And, and, yeah, and, yeah and, and spoiler warning for those that have his five-year-old movie, we come to find out that it's actually, this is just delusions and hallucinations of a PTSD mall Santa, and he's actually killing. <laughs> the, he's actually killing the people at the mall. This isn't really happening. Which I thought was one. Of, come on, one of the reasons we all love horror is the twist endings. That was a great yeah, twist ending. It, it and really it, was. And the opening scene where I believe it was wasn't for whom the bell tolls. It was a Metallica song. Yes, plays and she does this slow motion of like the insanity that that we have made Black Friday. People literally getting in fist fights over, <laughs> I'm going, I'm like, yeah, they're making a little bit of a statement against consumerism and stuff, but it blew me away. And you have to remember in 2015 Metallica, even to this day, they aren't a band that lets, lets their, their music get used a lot in movies. And they let that song get used in a movie like that, that, you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, it was was pretty cool. I I dug that one. And that, of course, it kind of got overshadowed by what I would consider the last like true Christmas horror and really Christmas classic. And that is 2015's Krampus. Now, like we'll circle back to that in a minute. But like, I do want to mention that there's still some recently pretty great Christmas horror movies that came out just over the last couple of years. I would recommend all these are streaming on show. I would recommend All the Creatures Are Stirring by Rebecca McKendry, who is the director of that, I would mm-hmm. recommend, the f- is it called, Better Watch Out, which is kind of like takes some of the Home Alone premises and turns them on their head and kind of makes them horror, and it's about a really shit-ass little kid, so it's it's worth checking out. There's a couple of weird little movies from the late 80s that I forgot to mention that I will throw in there as well. One is not streaming anywhere. It's from 1989. It's called Elves, starring Dan Haggerty,
1: grizzly <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 think I, I think I saw that one on, on video on a bender when I was in college. I really do, so I don't remember a whole lot of it. But I vaguely remember Grizzly Adams. and Yeah, okay. Like I said, I, it was, well, I'm sure it was, at, it was during a, a party at my fraternity house in college. But don't expect me to remember wild. too much. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> on
2: YouTube for free right now. Not okay. legally, but it's the only place you can get it. So. Okay. And then there's another French movie from the late 80s that was actually a year before Home Alone that they almost sued over the idea called Deadly Games, aka Dial Code Santa. And that was also shown on Joe Bob's Christmas special this year on Shudder, so that's worth checking out as well. So all those are nice recommendations, but I will leave you all by talking about how I do think Michael Doherty's Krampus from 2015 is one of the the last, like, it's the last tree Christmas horror classic, and it really is on its way to becoming a Christmas classic in my
1: mind. Agree 100%. Agree 100%.
2: And I have a theory. We did an episode on it, which aired a couple of years ago, but we did re air it in the build up to this year's special. So it's out there right now. You can listen to it. I think that it's kind of a parallel, like, it's almost a modern telling of A Christmas Carol in many, many ways if you really think about
1: it. Which, uh, we didn't bring this up because it's not a horror holiday movie, but I think there's similarities to Krampus and A Christmas Story to also It's a Wonderful Life. Yep, absolutely. But it's this whole idea of where would the world be without me? It's just obviously Christmas Carol has a much, and Krampus have a much darker and supernatural tinge to them than there's a supernatural tinge, of course, with the angel and It's a Wonderful Life, but... It's not nearly as dark, and it they, they Krampus, unlike Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life, does not have the happy ending. I love that ending didn't you? for wait wait for Krampus? well it does Yes, kind of has a
2: happy ending I mean, oh, until, like,
1: well no because the, well, the kid figures out what the fuck's going on and I'm like yeah everybody else is happy but he ain't and he's
2: right, he finds the so are they imprisoned in a snow glow there's a lot of debate over that ending like or is he just watching over them like can he see them from the air right. and is he like what what is the meaning of that ending like he's not really explaining. It and I, I love that it's up for some debate and
1: interpretation. Well, that's that's always to me some of the strongest horror endings. That's why the, the ending to the thing is so popular. There's the well, are they? Aren't they? That's always going to be a selling point for me personally. But I, 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 as a history guy, like one one of my theories is English, one was in history. I love the fact that Krampus, the movie, has kind of reunited this. We were talking earlier about how it wasn't until recently, in the last couple centuries, that we got away from the supernatural, spooky elements of. Of Christmas, it brought back a very spooky folkloric tradition from that part of Europe. And there's now been a lot of people that. I would dare say Krampus is fairly well, he's right up there like Frosty the Stoneman now, is a character that the common pop culture people know as a Christmas thing. You know what I'm saying? Legit. I'm wearing a Krampus shirt right now. Oh, <laughs> so that's pretty funny. But also, like, I think it's just a thing about Michael
2: Doherty's style. He has that imagery that people yes. really connect to. And sometimes it takes a while because the studios don't ever want to get behind him with a full merchandising and marketing push. But over time, there's this demand for it. If you looked, at Halloween this year trick or treat oh yes a fucking- everywhere. And that Yes, was it
1: was. Tonic. Yeah, it was. It, I, and Krampus it, is starting to do that too. It was. I noticed that at the Spirit Halloween, there's two stores that I went to in my area. And one of them, I didn't even see it until I went, I always go the day after and hit what little they got left when they have it on sale. And I didn't even see it the first two or three times that I was in there. They had this huge seven-foot animatronic Krampus that looked like the Krampus, the depiction of the Krampus in the Michael move. movie. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I was like, I I was sitting there and I'm quickly getting out my phone and looking at how much money I had in my account because I was going to... And, and And sadly, the guy behind the counter said, man, we just had a guy come in like 20 minutes ago and buy that. He's coming back with his truck to pick it up. I was like, damn it. Damn. And I, I'm wondering for those of us that do the big Halloween decorations outside of our house for Halloween because of what we're talking about with the merchandising, I fully expect in the next couple years to see a house decked out and a, and a, and a Christmas-themed Halloween with Krampus and stuff. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I hope so. I've tried to do my part. In, right. In, in
2: okay. I have a gargoyle on my porch that I put a Santa hat on. And,
1: <laughs> there you, you know,
2: go. I, I, just, I do my part, but yeah, <laughs> I would love to see that. That would be
1: excellent. We didn't mention it and I, I wouldn't call it horror, but it's horror adjacent. I think a lot of that starts with Nightmare Before Christmas, Disney, the Tim Burton produced movie, and that yeah, was what, it, 90, it, early it, 90s? Yeah, I think a lot of people like
2: that's a gateway drug
1: for this yes.
2: for a lot of cookier things. So
1: for for sure. my oldest daughter, she's the biggest Jack Skellington mark you'll ever see, and and it's like that was her foray into the horror world. And what I love about that movie is you can literally run it on a constant loop from Halloween to Christmas, and it's always, it's never the wrong time of year to watch it, <laughs> so yeah, no, say, absolutely. And, and I think Krampus is uh one of those movies too, because even though it is Christmas centered, it is such a effective horror movie, you can watch it in the middle of summer and say, oh, We're just gonna watch a horror movie, and that's fine. Yeah, know? it works
2: on a ton of different levels, and I think yeah, it has that enduring staying power, and that's why well, it's the most recent of. True classics that we've
1: got. What was the rating on it? I can't remember what the MPAA rating it's PG-13. was. PG-13. For those that know how I I I'm one of the I'm in that camp of I hate PG thirteen horror movies. This is a PG thirteen horror movie I actually like. This I think a way there to is do there is a way. I mean, you brought up Gremlins being the first Christmas themed horror movie you saw. That was a PG. Now we know it was Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that led to the PG thirteen rating, but it still got a PG when it came out, and but anyway, is there any other 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 great ho- holiday themed horror movies you can think that you would, that you would suggest? You've already given us a ton to think about, Dan. But any more that yeah, you want to? Yeah,
2: God, there's so many. I will give a shout out because like, some of the writers I, I've gotten to know and are fans of, of what I do, and I'm fans of what they do, so I try to give them a shout-out as well, because they actually made a kick-ass movie as well. But Sleigh Bells from 2018 or 2019, it's another, like, Santa versus Krampus movie, but it's about these these three hot cosplaying girls who, like, <laughs> on this adventure, and they team up with Barry Bostwick, who plays Santa, and then the Krampus is Brad
1: Majors himself as Santa Claus (laughs) yeah and he's
2: awesome he's like this drunk biker Santa and he's fucking badass and then the Krampus like the special effects from the Krampus are just incredible and He's got this full body suit they have this true creature, and it's just really fun. Another great horror comedy that I would recommend. Those are always fun for this time of year.
0: Um, oh yeah.
1: Well, I'm Seth. This isn't your wheelhouse, but anything that we didn't mention that you would you would think Merritt mentioned it.
0: Well, if you didn't mention Santa Slay, I would have perked up with that <laughs> one. And and just so people who haven't heard of it, Slay is spelled S L A Y. So Santa yes, Slay. Yes. And and <laughs> yes, you heard right. Goldberg kills a bunch of Jewish celebrities in the opening scenes of that movie.
1: The best of the best scene is later on when he stabs the deli owner in the Jewish deli with a menorah. Like that was like a little Easter egg for those of us that knew the religious beliefs of Bill Goldberg. But I, like I said, that's politically incorrect. And that's always going to get a rise out of me. But anyway, Dan, well, as always, we thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend a little time with us and talk about something that is, I know, near and dear to your heart. Why don't you get, why don't you take this time now and, and let everybody know about your awesome podcast and all the other things you got going on? You, you got so many things going on horror related. He's an excellent creator of content and resource. And I pick his brain a lot and our, and private conversation so this let other people know where they can reach you and all that kind of stuff Dan thanks
2: man yeah you can check us out I host the Seeking Human Victims podcast we're going into our ninth season in January and it will be covering the works of Clive Barker we have three Christmas specials out that we put out three one each year and I've, I've re-released all of the previous ones so right now you can go on our podcast feed and anywhere podcasts are located you can find Seeking Human Victims you can find us on social media at OG Scare on Twitter and Facebook. And our YouTube channel is also at OG Scare. We're also on the Slasher app. The website is OGScareProductions.com. And go to our YouTube channel, and we'll be doing a formal re release of this this week. So by the time this episode airs, you can hit our social media and see the link. But we're actually, we did our own Christmas themed horror film, and we will be re releasing that here this week. It's called I Gotta Rock. And it's. Excellent, uh, by the way. I Thumbs up from Crazy Train for letting everyone know. Oh, thank you, man. Thank <laughs> you. And so, We're going to be re-releasing that as part of our holiday celebration this year as well. We've done some coverage of the Chattanooga Film Festival over the last year. We did some coverage of their Halloween Film Fest, the Frightening Ass Film Festival. We've, we've got lots of web shows and different things over on our platforms. But the podcast, of course, is the flagship program of One Good Scare Productions, and that's Seeking Human Victims once again so yeah we appreciate the opportunity to get on here and talk christmas horror and plug our stuff thanks so much for having me fellas
1: well brother it's always always a pleasure and always a joy give your best to your your family from me and wish everybody a merry and scary christmas season
0: thank you brother we'll catch you down the road thanks man Geekville Radio. And that brings us to the end of this edition of Geekville Radio's Nostalgia Trip. This will be our last episode for 2023. We will be back in 2024. Crazy Train and I do have a couple of subjects lined up we'll just record when we have the time i do appreciate you folks for listening this is geekville radio specifically the show is called geekville radio's nostalgia trip you can find us at geekville you can find subscribe there or you can go to wherever you get podcasts apple podcasts google podcasts Spotify, iHeartRadio, again, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Geekle Radio and our family of podcasts. Geekle Radio is the main range, so to speak, and starting in 2024, it will be where you'll get all of the shows. And then we also have the sister shows such as this one, Nostalgia Trip, Lesson on Geek Hall of Fame. Those also have their own feeds uh, for easy access. If you want to just go through specific spinoff shows that we have, we have specific feeds for those shows as well. Give us a review, give us a follow, let us know what we're doing well, let us know what we're not doing so well. I always welcome criticism, especially when it's genuine, so just be honest with what you say. You can also give us feedback on social media. The Facebook, X slash Twitter and Instagram are all at Geekville Radio, and at GeekvilleRadio.com you can actually respond to the post directly there. So, again, let us know what you think, and thank you for your input. I'm going to power it down the nostalgia trip studios for last time here in 2023 and we'll see you in 2024